say the end dot 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 but it's really dot 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 the end, the end. we like to do weird yep <laughs> and then oh i thought there was a question mark at the end of it it's not a question mark <laughs> that would even be better dot 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 the end question mark <laughs> or is it i don't know <laughs> does anyone does anyone know have we started our intro <laughs> i think that we've started our intro with Making fun of ourselves and our panel titles and how we like colons and semicolons and parentheses. And now we have ellipses at the beginning of a title. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Amazing. And how, that's how you get more podcast, creative. Emily. Is it the end? We don't know. It's not the end. I don't know. I don't know. Does anything end? I feel like <laughs> they don't really talk about this on the podcast. But one of the things that I thought about in listening to it was when a show does end. And, you know, maybe ends solid, maybe not, question mark, but then comes back mm-hmm. a pickup a few years later, how many years later, and when it comes back, people, like, hate it. Yeah. And it's a, mm, is that, was that a smart idea? I don't know, because I think about, and I'm not going to say my opinion on these things, but I do know people felt very controversial about the when I say new, it's still been a number of years, but like the new ending of Veronica Mars or mm. the new ending of Gilmore Girls mm. or, and I know it's still going, the current new ending or continuation of Sex and the City. I was about to say, and just like that, I mean, I will ad- admit my feelings on it. Like, it's not over yet. I don't think it's not. No, I think, uh, I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know who has pickups and who yeah, doesn't no in idea. the current I don't state think of the world. Does. Um, somebody pointed out to me that two things. One, Please note that it is an HBO Max show, not an HBO show. So, like, the new iteration of it is slightly different. So, is it just a Max show? Correct. Now okay. it's just a Max show. It was an HBO it was Max an show. HBO now Max it's just show. a Max show. Well, but that, like, when it came back, it came back on Max, which has, like, different audience, broader range, everything else. And then I read something that said, don't think this is a continuation of a, the series. It's the continuation of the movies, which is a very small window. But if you are a fan of Sex and the City, you understand that... The show is different than the movies, and especially by the time the sequels of the movies come on, it's got a whole different tone to it. That made the show make a little more sense to me. Yeah. But there are episodes and storylines that I do love and have, like, flashbacks to the original show that I loved. Other times it feels so off the rails. (laughs) Like, I have no idea what's going on. It is wild. (laughs) Like, what 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 are we watching? (laughs) What is happening here? Okay. Anyway, but yes, to the point of like, I really love the end of the series of Sex and the City. Yeah, me too. I don't know if, and I actually really like the first movie. The movies do feel different to me, maybe with time. And if you have that perspective that it's not touching the old series to a certain extent, it doesn't bother me necessarily. But like, that was the the closure I needed Yeah, <laughs> before. For me, the closure for Veronica Mars happened in the movie. Oh. Because it ends on a cliffhanger-ish um, because they were canceled. But then you got the movie that seemed to wrap everything up mm-hmm. and uh, gave me everything that I needed. Yeah. And then you had the new episodes, which... And this is very interesting input of, like, 
I, I will be out outnumbered on this. And so I'm, this is not an actual argument, but I did not watch Veronica Mars when it was on. Mm-hmm. And then when the whole Kickstarter movie situation happened and Rob Thomas, we had him at the festival a few times and I got more invested. So I did between the movie and the new iteration, I saw the movie in the theater with you with like no context. <laughs> I mean, no idea what was happening. <laughs> like, and I just enjoyed whoever the people were on, yep. but I like literally had no investment whatsoever to what was going on. It was fine. Um, but some, when the new episodes came out, I binged the whole show, watched the movie and then watched the new episodes and like was devastated, but did not have like upset feelings in the yeah. same way. I was sort of like, Oh dear God, what have we, you done to my heart? <laughs> like, cause I was very invested at that point, but had a completely different journey that was like. One big bite, which is the binging versus week to week versus years of your life. And so, like, my opinions on what happened were just different. Yes, it is. It's a different emotional investment yes. when you emotionally invest over years versus you emotionally invest over right. weeks a month. Similarly, I don't acknowledge the new Gilmore Girls episodes. I uh... nothing that happens and then is real. <laughs> nothing <It> is unnecessary. <laughs> nothing. I'm not even saying that for some people they aren't good, but like it is so not the other show. Yep. That I just I don't acknowledge it. I agree with that. It just it doesn't even feel like it. It's kind of no. I mean it's interesting you talking about Sex in the City and just like that because I haven't watched and just like that, but I did mm-hmm. watch all the original Sex in the City. But it does have that same similar it, yeah. difference where. The new iteration just, it doesn't feel like the show. No. It feels just as much like the show as Marvelous Mrs. Maisel does, which is Amy Sherman Palladino has a voice and a cadence and a tone, and, like, that is back. But, like, it's almost like its own standalone show that does not touch the other one for me. Which brings us back to, like, this conversation about the end is we're weirdly living in a time where is it the end? (laughs) Question mark. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Because of things, even things like... I think about, which I do also, I'm opinionated today. Uh, <laughs> I also think was a mistake was like, I loved Big Little Lies the first season. Mm-hmm, me too. And because it was so popular, they brought it back for another one. I do not believe that was the intention. Maybe a cracked door, but even the stories of renegotiating contracts, like clearly that wasn't known. And like, I actually don't really remember the second season, but like I watched the first season like three times the year it came out and bought the record and like just really loved it and did not need another one. So whether it's something as nostalgic as Sex in the City or Gilmore Girls of Veronica Mars or it's these other things of like in success will make more, but maybe we didn't plan to well, is also weird. Interesting with Big Little Lies that also ties into part of this conversation because on this conversation, Meryl Davis, who is one of the executive producers of Outlander, talks about the fact that Outlander, the series, TV series, will end before the books are finished. Okay. So the author is yeah. still writing the books. They, not like it's in the show, but Thrones, like in the situation she, to Game yeah. of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. And even though Big Little Lies is different because the book was not intended to be more books, right. but they started the second season was beyond the scope of, of the books, the yes, written word correct. and the original IP. So like, that's an interesting concept of you've got this IP, you create this amazing thing based on the IP yeah. and now you're ending it on your own. Right. Though the interesting thing that? about that with big little lies, as opposed to, although I haven't, I've seen some outlander show and have not read the book, but I wonder how many people I did not read 
the Big Little Lies book. I don't know that that's the name of the book. Is that I, the name of the book? I think it is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I did not read that book either, but like loved that show that less the like Star Wars, Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, like giant universal things that makes me wonder how many people love that show because they love the book, like, or how many people just watched the show in the sense of like, when you go past the IP of something so expansive, like Outlander yeah. and Game of Thrones true, true. and those characters and everything else. But I just think we're in a weird place of like what the ending, when I think of classic shows when we were kids, I mean, they've re- rebooted versus remakes, whatever. Some of those shows into t- totally different iterations, like Boy Meets World into Girl Meets World, mm-hmm. truly different shows with some similar characters versus like... You have a list here of the shows that ended this year, Succession, Never Have I Ever, Ted Lasso, Barry. Like, in two years, would they, like, bring Succession back? Like, I don't think, I don't think Jesse Armstrong would. Yeah. But, like, are there worlds in which these shows that feel like we've gotten endings, like... I feel pretty strong they're going to bring an iteration of Ted Lasso back. Yeah. I feel like not with... Do you think it's, like, a different character? I don't think it's with Jason Sudeikis. I think it's with Roy Kent... And yeah, beard and it makes sense that they Nate, would. But the, I feel pretty strong they're going to. Yeah, in a it makes sense in the current landscape of television that they would do something like that. Is that the right thing to do? I don't know. You know what? I can't tell you le- until le- it comes out it, and whether or not I like it. Like, there's <laughs> then a world I will tell in you. Which I feel like they talked about this in all the Succession podcasts. Like, kind of a similar idea. Do you spin off a person? I just don't know that that, with the exception of Frasier, that that has ever really worked. I mean, Succession. The original Frasier. I don't know about the new Frasier either. I'm holding off, but. Yeah. Succession's so hard. I'm trying to think of other spinoffs because like Angel spinoff from Buffy, Uh, but that happened mid-series on Buffy. Buffy. It wasn't like like Buffy ended and then they continued on with the character. So they talk about really being like a bad idea was Joey. Yeah. But that is not what the podcast The podcast is less about the spinoff. <laughs> yes. But it is more the like, when you're writing the end of the show, are you actually writing the end? Like, how do you figure that out in a, I mean, this is also listed here as, I actually think it probably with Frasier is the other great one, although very niche and cult is Breaking Bad to Better Call Saul. Yes. Like, yeah. Like Breaking Bad ended, like that story of Breaking Bad ended, everything else. And Saul's a com- not only a completely different like story is a completely different show, like format, look, st- like the whole thing that I think that's really interesting um, and doesn't feel as a disservice even to the audience because there's plenty of people who watch Breaking Bad that did not watch Saul. Like, yeah, took me a long time to figure out what I was watching. It was just like a completely <laughs> different show. But like how you write these like great endings of, you know, Breaking Bad, Friday Night Lights. Somebody recently said six, I think it's George R. R. Martin in an interview, like very, very recently said that the best TV finale of all time is Six Feet Under. I think that's pretty widely accepted. Oh, okay. Uh, And I think it's, I mean, there's many reasons, but the brilliancy of that ending is brilliancy. Brilliancy. And I will say, I do believe this is they so tied the mechanism of the show into the ending mm-hmm. in a way that other shows just don't have right. that thing, that through line, that mechanism that literally starts each episode 
of every show and to tie that brilliantly into the end and give closure to all the characters. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's (laughs) going to sound strange. It's so obvious that that's how they should have ended the show yet. No one else would have come up with that. Like it was just the way that it was done and so beautifully done that it just like brought full closure to it, to everything in a way that was so true to the show. Yeah. Whereas a lot of times I think people end a show and you, they don't have that there's no, not, it's almost like not a complete thought. They're right. just like, we have to end this. How are we going to bring all these pieces together? And it's a little messy. Right. Cause even, I mean, we all know this, my favorite show of all time, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I love the ending. Like I love how they end the show, but getting there the last few episodes is kind of messy. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think they stuck the actual landing, but it's a little, little iffy up until that point. The hard part about. I mean, I don't know. It's plus and the minuses of TV versus a film. Like film, it's like you've got these two hours and this is your story and it's a cohesive one kind of shot of being, I don't know that it's as easy as good or bad, but like a TV show, especially a long running one, it's like it goes so, so through so many ebbs and flows of even allowing it to maybe not be good for a while and come back or, you know, maybe it doesn't stick the landing, but the rest of the show is really great. Like, how long does it go on? Is it a one season show? If it doesn't stick the landing, well, then no, you probably aren't going to watch it if, or you're going to think less of it versus it was on for 10 seasons and it had some. Yeah. Well, and so here's the big question that is being posed now that they talk about on the panel, but is with so many shows, people's now starting shows that have already been completed. Mm-hmm. How important is the ending to you loving a show? Because if someone says a show ended terribly, are you going to go watch that show? Even if it's five, six seasons and the first five, six seasons are great, but then it ends terribly. Are you still going to watch it versus back in the day? Did it matter? Well, back in the day, people were watching, I think, more week to week and they didn't know yet. And there was less of a rewatch. DVDs came later. Like, But if you loved a show at that point, if you loved a show and the ending was bad... Well, but you had already watched all of it. I know, it. but would yeah. that color the way that you felt about the show I mean, coming out of it? Potentially. I think those are two different questions. Does it color your experience of the show versus do you even try watching it if you've heard it's bad? Yeah. Um, and I think for me, it would depend on whether it was like one season or five seasons. Like I have heard from different people and I've watched different shows that like, you know, I even did a Crazy Anatomy still isn't over, but I did a rewatch <laughs> of like parts of it and it has ebbs and flows of seasons I liked and didn't. Um, and I've heard different things about the endings, especially when people get like half seasons or things like that. Like great, great example. Just did the OC rewatch. Season four is weird. It is kooky. <laughs> it is weird. And a whole bunch goes down in that finale. Like yes, it, it is. is a lot going on. I'm not even going to say whether it was like good or bad. It's just a very different show than what you start with that if there's more to watch and there's goodness in it, I would make the play and would listen to somebody saying, yes, you should still watch it, even though it doesn't end well. If it's one season, even worse, six, eight episodes, and you're like, it really it goes downhill is like, well, then what am I watching? If it's six episodes and the last two aren't great, it's like... This was, it's kind of like a movie. It's like the movie wasn't very good. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, then why am I going to go watch the movie? Like, although I do try to not be susceptible to anybody's telling me. Well, that's that. because in that 
note I think about two shows that I've loved in recent years that both were canceled, The Society and The Wilds, Mm -hmm. both end on these huge cliffhangers. And I'm so glad that I watched them not knowing they were going to be canceled and not picked up because they are such great shows. But now it's very hard for me to tell people to go watch them because I'm like, you're just going to be mad. Yeah. It's fantastic, but you're just going to be mad at yeah. the end. Although it's kind of interesting because like I really love The Wild, but I I could have watched season one and, and been done. Like it has a door open to like yeah. this other world, but like I could have watched season one and been like, that was a fun ride. And like, there's a lot of movies that have like, it's there's not a bow at the end, but like it's kind of never have I ever. I love season one. I didn't know there was going to be a season two. Not never have I ever. I was like, the summer I turned pretty. I was like, never have I ever. So, many so good. So many. Summer words. I turned pretty, also fantastic. Like, but <laughs> summer I turned pretty, like now has a season two, which I don't didn't I think like nearly as much as one. But I finished one thinking we were done. Huh. Interesting. I guess I didn't because I know there's three books. See, didn't know, and I was like, yeah. that would have been complete. It was like a long summer movie, yeah. like. So I do think there's it's interesting in those ways. Like I would still tell people to watch The Wild, specifically season one. Like it's so good. Yeah. You should watch it. Everyone should watch it. Yeah. Guys, this is a very long debate. <laughs> um we're gonna let this is also a micro panel. Um, with as Emily already mentioned, Meryl Davis, executive producer of Outlander, and Dave Andron, co creator, showrunner of Snowfall and City Primeval. Yep. Justified our opening night this year. Um, and it is moderated by Ben Travers. Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming out. How are we feeling? Good, good. Ready to talk about all of the endings for all of the shows that you've ever seen and the ones you haven't? Yes. Good, good, good. Um, well, I wanted to start uh, first by kind of asking, this This question might be a little bit outdated, but I think it gives us a framework to go on when we're talking about series finales. Um, and that's, uh, from what I remember, after Lost, and especially when Breaking Bad was wrapping up, it really felt like writers were under the gun to have an ending ready when they were pitching their show. So like right from the start, You've got the beginning. You also need the ending. That's what the networks wanted. That's what the audience wanted to hear when they were doing publicity. Um, first of all, is that? do you remember that period of time? Like, was that something that you were pressured to do on any of your shows or any of the shows you worked on? And uh, secondly, like, is that is that the ideal way to do it? Is that how you want to kind of formulate your endings? You go first. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Um, you know, I don't know... It's interesting now with the limited series being such a big deal that it's probably there are so many more pitches that incorporate an ending. I don't quite recall having pressure on pitches when I'm selling shows to know where it went, especially when you're talking about six seasons. I mean, you, you need to have arcs in mind for characters. That doesn't necessarily mean it's like, okay, we're definitely going to end the thing on this moment here exactly. Um, but it seems pretty unrealistic. Like, it seems crazy that you would ask somebody in six years, how is this thing really going to unfold? Because inevitably the answer is just not going to be, I don't think it can be maybe right. Like, I just think it's going to change and evolve and you just can't possibly know. Like, you have your thematic backbone and that will dictate to some extent where you go. But I don't remember that and uh, I don't know. Yeah, 
I doubt it. I doubt that was that big a thing. I mean, I feel like I am old enough to remember that being a thing. Um, but we've always, you know, my producing partner is Ron Moore, and he's always kind of pushed back. The only show I specifically remember, though, which is recent, is For All Mankind, which is on Apple. And we did actually pitch out to Apple a certain number of seasons and where we thought it would go and the ending. But as Dave said, that's going to change. You know what I mean? As you go and you kind of find out what your actors can do and who you write to when the writers do that, it naturally evolves. And on Outlander, I mean, there were a certain number of books out at the time, so you know there is a certain ending, but we will end before Diana Gabaldon ends her book. So that is a unique problem we're going to have about how we wrap that up. Yeah, I, I mean, it very well could just be a fan perspective where, you know, for whatever they were watching, they just wanted to feel some sort of security. Um, but with that in mind, for you as writers, what what is kind of the bedrock that you want to start with? Like, what what are kind of the elements of either the pilot or that first season or just the concept of the show that make you kind of feel confident? Like, okay, I know we're going to get there. Like, I know, you know, kind of the general idea of where we're going to end up, and I know I can deliver or feel pretty good that I can deliver a strong finale. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll just speak to the most recent project, which was, it's called Snowfall, which was on FX, which I don't, if you aren't familiar, it's it essentially the story of, it starts in 1983, Los Angeles, and the story of what happened when rock cocaine landed in South Central, uh, and, the, and the change that that precipitated, and then, of course, the young man that we had, we had selected to be um, the instrument of that, of that change, and so... You know, that was the initial kernel came from a couple of other people, and I signed on to kind of help them um, shepherd it and figure it out. And but just hearing it for me, it was like, okay, th that is a show. The story of how a working class neighborhood was turned into a war zone in a period of three or four years is a is a massive backbone, right? To to start working from, and you and you know you have somewhere to travel. And and then for me, knowing that there was going to be a kid who kind of got into it, not understanding he was going to unleash a plague on his community. You can also immediately see that that's going to change him dramatically over the course. And then everybody in that community is going to be changed. And so it felt like, okay, this is clearly a series that is sustainable, that really has a place to travel to, that does to some extent have an endpoint. Um, and at that point, my feeling was there had been a lot of art made starting with kind of with Boys in the Hood, which exploded into the mainstream pop culture by John Singleton, who was one of the original creators of Snowfall. Um, there had been a lot of art made about what had the early 90s in South Central and what it was, but there was not a lot of art that had told the story of how it came to pass. And so that felt kind of new and, and fresh. So there were, there were a lot of things there that were, were really intriguing and felt solid to build a show around. I mean, I'll admit I'm not a writer, but I love writers. Um, and um, I'm fully in support of W.J. Strike, um, and I miss the writers. Um, but, you know, I think all of our shows, certainly Battlestar Galactica, I mean, that was a show that was interesting because could have gone, in on, gone on longer, one would imagine. But, you know, the writers and Ron felt like there was a natural ending. It got to the point where it was like, you know what, this feels like a good way to end it. And I feel like that was a show that we actually went out why people were still interested. Some shows outstay their welcome. Um, some shows maybe end too soon. But I think you can't focus too much on the end point. I mean, you know, you always have to know where you're going and kind of have a point in the sky down the road. But I, I think to concentrate too much on the ending, it's you lose sight of, of your current product. Okay, so that, that kind of sets up the next question that I had, which was how often do you have to think about it? Like, it, it, this is television... I mean, 
there's rare occurrences where, you know, your show is so big that you know you're going to be able to end it on your own terms. You've had those discussions and you, you have some sort of guarantee that you'll be able to go as long as you want to reach whatever you want to reach. But there's always the possibility of cancellation. There's always the possibility of, you know, just something coming up that interrupts you. Um, so when do you allow yourself to start thinking about an endpoint? Like when do you allow yourself and are there like guideposts that you set up along the way that kind of like give you like, okay, like if, if it happens now I can pivot and, and use this as a way to kind of close it out? Or how do you kind of approach that? How do you let yourself approach that, I guess? Yeah, you're right. I mean, in, you know, I haven't really had the experience of something that was like such a massive hit. I mean, working on Justified, that was pretty well received out of the gate. I think we all knew that that was going to continue on. But there's so much pressure on like what is happening this week and what happens next week that you just don't you don't really get the luxury of sitting around and being like, how do you guys want it to end? You'd be like, fuck you. Like, we got, <laughs> we don't have a script for the thing we start shooting in five days. Like, um, but it, but you're right. It does somewhere in the middle. It does start to, to turn. I mean, I remember after the, I believe it was after the third season, it was that early in, in Justified that there was a sense of four, five, and six, that we knew that that made financial sense for the studio and the network, that after season six, things started to shift in a pretty dramatic way with the numbers. And so we really started trying to build towards a little bit of an end point in the big picture. So it was after the third season. And, and honestly, Snowfall was not dissimilar, where the first two seasons, it was slightly touch and go, and then the third season went on Hulu and it like exploded. And it was like, okay, we can stop worrying about are we coming back next year and start thinking about how long do we want to do this? How long can we sustain? And so both those shows, somewhere around the midpoint, started thinking about the end point. And, and for Snowfall, after the fourth season, I went away you know, and spent a couple of weeks and came back to FX and said, there are two years left in this. Like, there's, I don't think we can do more, and I don't think I can jam it all into one. And so everybody's happy and we're having a good time and doing good work. So we'll do two more. And then you really start to think about it. And, and look, that doesn't mean you don't have moments, even when you're, you know, we had a mini room before we did the Snowfall pilot where we were talking about it. And, and sure, you talk about what if Franklin ended up like this? What if this, you know, maybe something, but it's all so pie in the sky. You don't, you're not really devoting significant time to it at that point. I mean, we think about it all the time right now. I mean, that's kind of all we uh, we talk about because um, we're in a situation on Outlander where we know we've already announced the eighth season's our final season. We're already in the writers' room up until recently, um, and we think about it all the time. And it, we're in a weird situation where we will end before the books end, um, but Diana hasn't written the last book yet, so we don't have the luxury of doing that material. And we also want to be respectful of where Diana, the author, might end her story. Um, and not step on her toes because she's been very lovely with her material for us, um, but also ending it in a satisfying way for us and for the fans. And um, it's something we talk about a lot. And it's pressure. It's so much pressure because in history, there are some shows that really get it right and some shows that don't. And it's a lot of pressure going into that last episode, um, you know, and making sure everyone walks away going, oh, they're sad, but they still feel like, Oh, okay, yeah, that was satisfying. Well, the last big show where they ran out of the books and they finished it on their own worked fine. You guys uh, yeah, are probably- yeah, Game of Thrones, I know, I know. Yeah, exactly. Too soon, yeah. too soon. <laughs> I, no, we were just talking about that though in the green room. Like, I think Game of Thrones got a little bit of a bad rap that the last season that I didn't think was as, as bad as everyone else, but, um, but kind of like erased all the good work they did. Do you know what I mean? Which it really was a seminal series in, in the history of TV that you look back and go, that was a game changer, Game of Thrones, in many ways. And, um, 
And I think all the work they did should not be erased by Khaleesi turning bad, which I think we all were like, what? Yeah. But it does give you a sense of the pressure on the end. Like, you cannot fumble. If you yeah. don't stick the landing, you can really tarnish a legacy. And you're yes. right, that show was unbelievable for years and years. Like, change television. And then you're like, oh, shit. Well, I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit in my, my planning here. But because we brought it up, like... It is, it is completely unfair that, that shows are judged on the finale. Like, so many people will just look at, like, oh, it was a good finale, but a bad finale. I guess I won't watch it now. I guess I will watch it now. But do you feel like that, that kind of attitude has changed now that we're in both an era of too much TV, peak TV, whatever you want to call it, as well as, you know, streaming, where things are, in theory, always available for people to come back and, and revisit? Do you think there's more pressure on a finale to really get it right so that all those people who are just like, I want to watch at my own speed, I want to make sure that this, you know, ends well before I ever commit to it, like, to, to bring in those fans? I do. I think, like, the hive mind now is out there and is kind of telling, I mean, the problem is you're hearing public opinion almost sometimes before you can watch it, and I think that has an effect on you. Where back in the day, and we didn't have the internet, and I'm old enough to remember those days, um, like Battlestar Galactica. I mean, thank God there wasn't internet then. So many things would have been spoiled, but, you know, I think you hear buzz about something and sometimes you hear so much buzz, you see it and you're like, eh, it wasn't that good, uh, you know, or, or vice versa. And I think it does influence you um, to the point where once again, there's so much chatter and you're not allowed to make up your own mind and come to something fresh without all of everyone else's input. Yeah, I do. And I, I do think a lot of people wait till it's done. People are like, I just want to binge. So I'm going to wait until it's all done. And if they hear that it ended really poorly, they're probably never going to go there because there are 40 other shows that they like have been hearing they need to, to watch and want to watch. And so I, I think there's huge pressure to, to not screw it up. <laughs> no, pressure. no pressure. No pressure. No pressure at all. Um, all right. Well, to, to dial it back just a second, what are kind of the examples for you guys of the shows that stuck the landing? Like, are there shows that, that kind of stand out in your mind as these ones really did it right? And then also, does that help you at all? Like, do you, it's not that you want to copy their endings, obviously, but that you can look to those shows and say, okay, so they kind of did it, went at it this way and they provided closure like this, or they wrapped up these arcs and they didn't wrap up this arc. They prioritized this over that. Are there shows like that for you as writers that are helpful? Like that are, that are helpful in terms of your own writing? Well, I, I can speak to one of my favorite ones all time, um, which is the Six Feet Under, um, which I think is probably widely regarded. And, and look, they they used they had this device which they ingeniously used to, to go forward and close off all the stories, which is like I get goosebumps even talking about it, right? Because because it it just allows you to do a thing most shows can't do, which is to to kind of move through time to like give you closure all across the board. Um, but the way they kind of set it up and like the whole thing, the song that played, like I just like sobbing like a child, like <laughs> couldn't move for 10 minutes and then like rewound it and watched it again. And I guess the thing I took away from it was how, because I was emotional about it, it was very satisfying. And I remember feeling similarly about Friday Night Lights, right? It was just aside from like whether you liked where people ended up or not, like that, you're going to like some of it, you're going to not like some of it. But if you can get people, if you can like really hammer them in the heart, um, you'll have them. And I think that that for me served, you know, certainly it was part of the guiding light and justified. And, and for Snowfall too, like I knew Snowfall couldn't be happy. Um, spoiler. But I, but I did want to, I did want the audience to be like, oh my God, like, you know. 
crushed if they were going to feel it to really make them feel it. And that, that was something I kept going back to. It's hard, hard to pick two more emotional finales yeah. than Six Feet Under and Friday Night Lights in terms of wanting to execute that. So that's great. I forgot about Friday Nights. I love that clear hearts, full hearts, clear eyes, whatever. Um, yeah, I was like, it was something really like that. Mom yeah, brain. Yeah, it really stuck with me. Uh, yeah, can't even remember what it was. Um, it's interesting. I think, um, you know, it's hard to think of one that I was like, oh, my God, that was amazing. But I, you know, we were talking backstage, and I, I'm stealing your answer, about um, the Friends finale. And not that Friends was, like, the best show on television, so it, it's certainly not up there with Sopranos or anything. But it ended in a way that made me feel, as a viewer, like life was going to go on. So I was kind of part of that. And I was thinking, when thinking about this question, that that's also a way to go. Like, Sopranos got a lot of flack for their ending, but actually... There's something brilliant in letting us, the audience, try to debate what we think Tony and his family, were, are, were they going to be killed immediately? Were they just going to leave there? Was, was it real? Was it not? Um, same as the New Heart show, which is a way back show. But they had a really interesting ending, too, where it was all a dream. And there was something very satisfying about that, too, because it feels, makes you feel like you were part of something. And um, so I think for different people, the endings have different meanings. And, and once again, Sopranos, while polarizing, I love the fact they let us decide at the end what we thought the ending was going to be, you know. Yeah, I, and I love that you bring up the idea of a finale that, that kind of continues the story, that like that, you know, pulls the audience to continue the story on their own or to just think about what comes next because TV is something that we live with for so long. Like we can spend five, ten years with a show and you're living with that show over the course of that whole time, just like the people making it are living with it. But then delivering closure, you know, it's still important. You still got to hit that end note to make it feel that way. So... Yeah, it's like so much of the process of TV is like every time you kind of close, right? The th every time you close the door, you have to open another one, right? And and a finale in some ways, yeah, you, you don't, you can't close all the doors. You have to let people know that, yeah, they're going to keep going on in their lives. And you just, I guess you just really have to try to give a sense of the direction that the life, that that life is going to go. So you have a sense of what they, how they've changed, what they've learned, like why I've been watching this character for all these years. And now they're going to go off and do, you know, do that. Well, not to get too theoretical with it again, but again, like in, in today's landscape, we're seeing so many shows that get revived or that get a sequel or that continue on in some way, uh, in part because, you know, there's just a franchise fever going around in Hollywood. Um, does that change kind of how you how you would approach an ending now, like knowing that, you know, in five years they may want to keep this thing going? And then also, do you think that that changes how an audience sees an ending because, they can't trust that something's actually going to be done. They might, you know, it might come back, even if it seems like a flop now, it might take off and, and come back like party down. You know, there's, there's so many examples of, of each way it could happen. And it really seems to have altered at least the perception of endings from, from what I hear from fans. So I was curious how it was for you guys. I think it's a freedom in some ways. I think it's, uh, I mean, it doesn't take, I say it takes the pressure off, it doesn't. But it does in a way say, you know what, we're going to close that chapter down right now, but three years we might have an idea and come back to it. Or there might be a new, I mean, unless you're killing all your characters off. But still, I mean, with prequels, I mean, you look at Yellowstone and I mean, they have really capitalized on, they have wrung every ounce of story out of those. <laughs> And in a, I mean, in a, actually a great, like they're doing a mafia type 
Western. Um, and I think um, there are so many more paths now. People are so open to prequels and sequels and spinoffs. And, you know, so I think it actually opens up a lot of doors. Yeah, you know, it was interesting. With Justified, I don't think it occurred to any of us. This was sort of before we'd entered really the great grand age of the the, the franchise spinoff, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And so there was only a desire to try to get it right, to be true to Elmore and the world we'd created. And we went through a lot of permutations and I think landed on a really strong one. And look, I don't know if you guys were premiering, like, you know, tonight we're premiering the next kind of, yeah, there you go. Um, we went we went back and opened it up. And, and look, there was also some fear associated with that because it was like we landed the plane like really successfully on that one. Uh, and do you really want to take it back up for a spin? You better have a good reason to do it, which I, I think we found and is great. And then yeah, with, with Snowfall, I, I didn't want to sacrifice anything. I'd never thought about it in terms of this is going to go forward. And, and look, FX, we're, they're, we're developing a spinoff. They've wanted to do it for a little while, so I knew that that was going to be developed. And my condition was I'm not going to sacrifice any of the show that we've built or the ending that I want to go to for this. Like, I'm not going to keep that character alive because he's more popular and would be good for a spinoff. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of a shame, I guess. I didn't realize that was quite a, really a thing that was that was rising amongst fans about, like, well, okay, yeah, maybe they'll, you know, you can't take it as seriously because it's not set in stone. Um, and you're right, there is, there is freedom in it, but... I didn't want to, yeah, I didn't want to. I don't sacrifice. sense that, though, that the fans are like, oh, I can't take it seriously. I think it's more opportunity. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't, and maybe I don't have my finger on the pulse of, of society right now, but I, I, I don't really sense that trend of, oh, we can't, this isn't really the end, or is it? Um, in a way that they can't trust things. It's more like, oh, maybe there is an opportunity for something else. I, I don't know if it's a trend yet, but I'm <laughs> I'm I'm living in the week of Ted Lasso, and it's just like I don't know how to deal with this. Like this is just a lot. So I'm not spoiling Ted Lasso, but you guys came here, you knew what was going to happen. So I guess this is a possibility. Um, all right, I'm going to open this up to the audience in just a minute, but I had a couple of quick questions for you guys. Um, one was just in terms of actually writing that finale. Like, are you able to devote more time to that? Like, is that something that you want to try to like? when you're in the writer's room or when, you know, you're, you're talking about it and, and trying to really nail it down, is that something that you actually can separate, you know, and say, like, okay, we're going to budget more time to make sure we get this right? Or is it, you know, at the whims of TV production, which can just kind of force you to, you know, plow ahead? There's never needed. enough time. I'm just going to say that for you. I, I'm not even a writer, and I could tell you there's never enough time. Yeah, I kind of naively maybe thought that FX was going to, that FX would kind of open the coffers a little bit and be like, it's the last step, you know, it's done really well for us, it's the last episode, like, yeah, you can have, no, there was, there was really, I, honestly, tr truthfully, we had a bunch of, we had a really successful COVID run and they had budgeted money for COVID that we didn't spend on shutdowns or whatever, uh, and so because of that, we actually were able to get a little more dough, but I, I was lucky that I was able to structure the season um, such that I had the, the winter break this past kind of Christmas or whatever to really write the script. Um, and I kind of worked back and cheated a little bit to make sure that I would have that. My writer's room was gone, which is one of the things that, you know, we're striking over. It's like for the last two episodes, last few years, I haven't had a room. I've just kind of been out there writing it. And Walter Mosley, God bless him, has like been a mensch and just stayed in it with me and read drafts and given notes. Love, love that man. Um, so I, I, was I was really lucky that I had three weeks. I turned an outline to FX before the break, and they kind of came back, and they had some thoughts, really good thoughts. 
Um, and then I had this two and a half, three weeks where I, I was a miserable, it's kind of a miserable person to be around. Uh, my wife was really lovely in putting up with me and, and watching her little one because um, I just kind of really had to go off and, and find some things. Like I wish that it all played out and, and, ex and been exactly right tonally, and, um, but I had to kind of find some things. And those three weeks were pretty, that was pretty scary, um, not exactly knowing what the last 10 minutes were going to be. And then, like, as soon as that unlocked, it was like, whew, and it came quickly and was, you know, and then we just went and we shot it pretty much in our eight-day eight pattern. Um, but, yeah, it would have been really great to have more time to shoot it or more time to get everything we wanted on, on screen. But that's TV, right? You just got to, you're up against the gun and you got to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I, there is never enough time. It's not like I wish, as Dave said, I wish people would say, you know what, it's the finale. You go to Hawaii for two months and you write it there. Um, you know, our writers never have enough time. And it's it all, and because it's the last episode of the season, it, there is always a little bit of crunch time. I mean, certainly when we wrap up Outlander, you know, obviously we're not going to just wing it uh, at the last minute. But, um, you know, the writers will put some effort into it. But it's it's you never get the time you want to, you know, sit there and once production starts going, it's like the train has left the station. Yeah. So. Yeah, no doubt. Um, great answers and, and again, great work so far with what you've done. So you're making the most of your time. We're all very appreciative. Uh, I'm going to try to do that for you guys. We've got about five minutes left, so I'm going to open it up to questions. Does anybody have questions for these two? We've got one in the back. Very excited. <laughs> Not as often as you maybe should be. <laughs> it's hard. It's like with a lot of TV that you don't want to, even early in your season, it's like, well, I'm going to save this great thing for later. You might not get there. And so I, I started to become cognizant somewhere in the middle of the season. Like we knew we needed to come out big. And then somewhere I tried to, you know, episode nine, I, I knew I could bottle in a little bit. It, it definitely was not a full bottle by any stretch, but I tried to kind of use what I had there to pull it back a little bit and put a little aside. But I just, I also didn't want to spend every episode wheedling away because, you know, unfortunately I didn't know, again, I didn't know exactly what the last one was going to be. So I didn't know exactly what I was going to need either. Um, and, and we're not like a big, you know, it wasn't going to be like a big shoot 'em up. Like I knew I didn't need some extravagant set piece or something. Um, but no, I, I probably should have been better about doing that, but I, I wasn't. I mean, the problem is you put together your budget before you've usually sat down in the writer's room to start breaking the story. So you're just guesstimating. So you're just saying, well, yeah, this is what we need. And, and the show usually gets picked up based on that sometimes. So you don't always have luxury of being like, you know what? In episode seven, we're going to have a big train chase. You know, it's so it, it's like Dave said, you know, you're usually as you go start realizing things on the horizon that you need to sock away some money for. And where can we take it from somewhere else? We got time, yeah. Yeah, you mentioned earlier that you know Diana had told a couple of you what she plans for the yeah. So, are you anticipating? I mean, you'll miss some of those high points that she'll put in the last yeah. month or so. But are you anticipating trying to get close to what she told you, or are you just going to try to wrap whatever makes sense for what the series? We won't do what she's done, uh, just because I. I think we feel that would be slightly disrespectful. Obviously, she has a last book coming out, and we want her to have that finale herself. Um, so we would not step on her ending. Um, once again, 
myself and one of the actors are the only two people who've read that. So I've not shared that with anyone else. So our showrunner could come up with something that he thinks is similar to that. Um, and then maybe we'd have a conversation with her about it. But, you know, I think we try to stay away from that just to give her her kind of respectful ending. I think we got time for one more. Why not? Yeah. So earlier you mentioned briefly about canceled shows. And so sometimes so shows, especially early on, you don't really know if you're going to get the next season. Some shows have a strategy, is it a strategy or what to like leave a cliffhanger or to kind of end the season so that if it doesn't get picked up, because obviously a lot of cliffhangers never get resolved because it doesn't come back. But is that kind of a strategy or is that more of like they expect to be picked up and they just are hoping or do you know what's you never think, I mean, you never go in thinking your show's going to get, or you, you can't write to your show getting canceled. So, I mean, you know, the writers always have to, and sometimes you do try to write something being like, well, they'll have to bring us back because <laughs> people have to find out what happens. Um, but do you know what I mean? It's like sometimes you'll end an episode or end a, a season and think, oh, that was too wrapped up. Like, I hope they don't go, oh, let's end it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. We never, we never kind of thought of doing Snowfall in terms of, well, if it doesn't come back, this will keep people happy. It was like, no, let's let's do as much as we can to keep people being like, what's going to happen next? And it, it always felt like if that show didn't get the run that it needed to tell the story, and we didn't need six probably, right, if we had really had to do it in four or five. But to tell that story and the scope of it, and, and again, the transformation of a neighborhood and a human being, it seemed like... It would have been a real shame if we hadn't gotten there because we, we would have just gotten cut off and it wouldn't have told the story at all. And it is, you know, all the more important in, in our times when people are going to watch these, you know, at their own speed and they want to get to an end and feel satisfied about it that uh, you guys have shared how to do it today. So thank you so much <laughs> for sharing all the secrets. Thank you so much for everybody coming out. Enjoy Justified tonight. You have been listening to the TV Campfire Podcast, hosted by ATX TV co-founders Emily Gibson and Caitlin McFarland, and produced by Jennifer Morgan. This conversation was recorded live at ATX TV Festival Season 12 in Austin, Texas, between June 1st and 4th, 2023. For more information on the festival and becoming an ATX TV member, follow us at ATX Festival or visit atxfestival.com.